The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Mark Giannato and Jeff Calkins. How's it going, Tiger football fans? We're back for an end-of-season edition of the podcast, uh, coming to you a few days after uh, Memphis's Liberty Bowl loss to Iowa State. Uh, a heartbreaker, 21-20, um, but obviously not really the type of loss that dampens just how you know, memorable this season really was. Memphis finishes 10-3, and makes it to its first AAC championship game, sets all sorts of records, um, has this senior class that really can go out saying they, they transformed this program from a doormat to you know, a trendy, nationally known team. Um, and you know, obviously there, Mike Norvell will be coming back next year, uh, signed a contract extension last month. Um, there's going to be a lot of change in the offseason, though. You're losing Riley Ferguson. You're losing Anthony Miller, you're losing 21 seniors and all a lot of guys who played key roles on this team. And quite frankly, you're going to lose a decent amount of Mike Norvell's coaching staff because of the success they've had over the last few years. Um, so a lot to, a lot to digest, a lot to go over Jeff. Uh, now that you're, you've, you've seen what happened in the Liberty Bowl. You've seen the, the, I guess the immediate aftermath. What, what will you remember most about this whole season, this whole run for this program? Really Tom Shad, I think, and his performance <laughs> in the first half of the, uh, on this podcast and otherwise, and I think we should dedicate the, the, oh no, uh, it is, it feels like a long time when you think back about it. And the reason I was actually thinking about Tom, Tom was that um, at the beginning when we convene and we do these, these podcasts, we come up with predictions now. I'm not great on predictions and I never remember my prediction, but I'm sure I did not predict them to win 10 games. And, um, I'm sure I didn't predict them to, to bust all these records. And I'm sure I didn't predict them to beat both Navy and then come back and, and beat Houston. Um, and I'm sure I didn't predict them to go to the conference championship game and, and thrill the country with the way they performed there. And so no matter what you think, no matter the, the, some of the difficulties at the end. I don't even know that I would have predicted Mike Norvell to be back. Honestly, I don't think we predicted there, but I don't know that I would have predicted Mike Norvell to be back. So no matter how, what the downs were, because there were a few at the end, didn't end perfectly, didn't end quite with a triumphant way you would have wanted. Um, it will go down as one of the great football seasons in Memphis Tiger history. And I think for me, probably more than anything, it'll be the, Oddly enough, it'll be that championship game, which was just fantastic. Um, just a thrill to be a part of. Or any number of the Riley Ferguson to, to Anthony Miller touchdown passes. To me, those two, um, with their individual stories, each um, compelling in its own way, um, having you know emerged as the greatest pass as a quarterback receiver combination this university's ever seen um, is, you know, all that. People will look back the way that they look back at the D'Angelo Williams years 
um, they will look back at the Riley Ferguson, Anthony Miller years as just a great time to be a Memphis football fan. And I think, but I mean, there's so much, I mean, there's Tony Pollard with his kickoff returns and winning thousands of dollars of jewelry for people like that happened this year. Um, and the and Houston so, comeback was about as yeah, memorable as you get. Yeah. So it's just being Navy so for the first time. I mean, it was yeah. just a, <clears throat> this group really will be remembered as, you know, one of the great groups of Memphis football players, you know, 10 years, 20 years, every time they come back for a reunion, this people are going to really, you know, right. people are going to remember this group. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it was a particularly likable group and, and everything to be able to sustain what obviously what, what Fuente and Paxton Lynch did and yet sustain it and build on it, which everyone has said, but that that's absolutely true. They did it. There's no reason. It's funny. You look at it. It's not like there's no reason that Memphis should necessarily be better at football than Cincinnati or be better than football than SMU or be better than football. Like, but they have been. And, and, um, and, and so it's been just an extraordinary ride. And I do think that now, you know, there was a huge transition when, when Justin Fuente left and Paxton left and you wondered what would come next and there is not the same kind of tradition tr- transition now because obviously Mike Norvell is coming back, but there is a transition in its own right. And maybe we can talk about that later on in the, in the broadcast, but um, it, this will be tricky um, as well as they go forward. Well, I think we, you know, I think it is a, it's a good time to talk about it because you mentioned there was a transition from Fuente to Norvell. I almost think you can, you can call kind of call this a demarcation line of, from Norvell part one to Norvell part two, because he's going to have to replace, you know, he needs to find another quarterback. I think the one good thing he has going is that he recruited so well, his first two years here that, you know, for instance, replacing Anthony Miller, like no one's going to replace Anthony Miller, but there's enough pieces here that you can reasonably project that they might not miss a beat at the skill positions. Um, but quarterback is a huge question mark. And then a lot of the t- guys who recruited those first two recruiting classes, they did so well that they are now being poached by bigger schools. I mean, we can run them down real quick. Marcus Woodson is I've reported is, has, you know, he's expected to go to Mississippi state, um, to take a job there. The defensive backs coach. Dan Lanning, the linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator, a guy who was really instrumental in, in getting guys like Jonathan Cook and Josh Perry here. Um, he's reportedly headed to Georgia soon. Um, and then Ryan Sil- and then obviously Daryl Dickey already left for Texas A&M, the offensive coordinator. And then I think Ryan Silverfield is a threat to leave as well because he's being pursued by, you know, I think John Martin of 92.9 reported the Denver Broncos are looking at him. So he's an attractive candidate for the NFL. Ultimately, I think Ryan Silverfield will be back um, as the offensive, new offensive coordinator. I think, I think the only way to keep him is to give him that title. Um, and then it was reported over the week, or I guess it was yesterday that Will Hall, the former Louisiana Lafayette offensive coordinator, will be joining Mike Norvell's staff in an associate head coach role. Um, not, not necessarily sure exactly what the title will be. I've been told, I think we'll hear some official announcements in the next 48 hours or so. We're recording this on Tuesday. 
Um, but a, a nice pickup for Mike Norvell. This a guy, Will Hall, who, if you look at what he did, he was only at Louisiana Lafayette for one year, was a very successful Division II head coach before that. But in his one year at Lafayette, you know, they went from the 109th ranked offense to the 60 something ranked offense in just one year. And then unfortunately the head coach gets fired. So seems like a bright young offensive mind to come in and join Mike Norvell. And, and obviously with Mike Norvell and he calls his own, at least this year, he called his own plays. This is his offensive scheme. So it's not like you're starting from ground zero, Um, but it's going to be a really interesting just transition. How can Mike Norvell recreate the success he's had the first two years with a lot of new faces? Cause that's ultimately what's going to happen. I, I'm curious your thoughts on, on the challenges of that. Jeff. Well, I, to me, I, the, the, you look at it and so many skill position players are back. I'm not worried about that at all. Most of the offensive line is back, um, which, you know, it had a, it obviously had struggles against Iowa state, but, should be better again next year. The secondary, which was so young this year, uh, will be back and presumably better. Um, and guys like Austin Hall and who, who emerged really big time this year, TJ Carter being better. Yeah. So, um, in, in a lot of ways now, what, what, whether they've addressed, for example, their ability to, to, to rush the passer, that's an interesting question to me. It was clearly a Achilles heel all year long on the defense. And you lose your best pass rusher. And you lose your best pass rusher. Right. And so that's, that is, is to me that the, the two biggest questions are replacing Gennard Avery with something, maybe a bunch of players better than Gennard Avery. They just have to do a better job of getting pressure on the quarterback. But beyond that, the biggest one is simply, can they find the next Paxton Lynch slash Riley Ferguson. I mean, you look around in college football and why did Florida make a coaching change? Why? Because they couldn't figure out the quarterback stuff. Why did Tennessee make a coaching change? Why? Because they couldn't figure out the quarterback stuff. The quarterback is the key to so much of this. And particularly, um, in a, in an offense like Memphis's, um, you need the trigger man. And so do they have the trigger man on campus? Might they get, find another one. Uh, I know there's a keeping a scholarship open. We'll see. Um, we'll see if more is up to the task. He's obviously emerged as the, the favorite going into the, going into the spring. But that to me is the key to the whole deal is, mm-hmm. is can they find a quarterback and a quarterback um, who can, you can, they can do it differently. I mean, Riley Ferguson really did it differently than Paxton Lynch and the next person can do it different, differently than Riley Ferguson. But if you don't have a quarterback, you can have all the receiving talent you want and you're, and you're going to struggle. And so, and obviously, um, you know, they, they, they were, they were, they were in on the quarterback from Arkansas. I don't know if he would have come in and started next year, but they clearly wanted to add a quarterback. Uh, they mm-hmm. tried to, they, I think they were in on Shea Patterson who obviously went to end up going to Michigan. Um, but they know they, they need, uh, excellent quarterback play. And so that to me is the, on the field, really the biggest challenge. And then, and then losing the recruiters that they've, they've lost is long-term the, the, the other big challenge. And, and I do have confidence in Mike Norvell to replace those guys just because 
that's the kind of, he will always hire good, smart, young recruiters. I just, I believe in the end, that's what he values. And so I do think he'll be able to, I know they've done an extraordinary job, these guys, or they wouldn't be getting jobs at Georgia and elsewhere, but I think Mike Norvell has an ability to recognize and find and hire really good young recruiters as coaches. Well, and the good news is the program has done so well in recent years that this is an attractive place for good young coaches to go. I mean, right. just you, know, you look at these coaches that are moving on. You look at Fuente and his staff. This is an attractive place to be if you're a young assistant coach um, in college football right now. And and in regards to the quarterback, I am, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I am I am truly of the opinion. I'll say that this is an opinion that the next quarterback next year will be a grad transfer. This is my opinion. I really think, I think after spring practice, the way Mike Norvell has talked about leaving a scholarship open, that they are going to go look around the country and whether it's, I don't think it'll be a junior college. I really think it's going to be someone who loses out on a quarterback job out of spring at another school. And they're going to try and go scoop them up. Um, and so I, I think the quarterback thing is just going to be fascinating. And I don't think it's going to be decided until, you know, right up until the regular season opener. Um, you know, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe David Moore does really well in spring practice and separates himself and maybe they feel a little more comfortable, but I don't think Mike Norvell would be publicly saying they're leaving a scholarship open to potentially go get another quarterback if he felt really 100% confident David Moore was the next guy. I just don't think he'd do that. Um, the other thing I think that's that's worth commenting on is just the Liberty Bowl itself. I know it didn't end the way that people wanted, um, but um, – and, and, and honestly, like I – once once it was clear they weren't going to the Peach Bowl and they were going to the Liberty Bowl, you were thinking, this is great, this will be fun. Clearly, when Mike Ravel um, announced that he'd be coming back, it changed and transformed the nature of that. It was a sort of a happy um, re-embrace of Mike Norvell and the football program. But there was still some sentiment, I'll be honest, among players and elsewhere that hey, wouldn't it be nice to take a trip or that kind of thing. And yet, the way it played out with the week leading up to the Liberty Bowl, with the joy of the fan base, with the excitement in the city, with honestly the energy and, 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 and dollar bills that the Iowa State folks brought, to see the Liberty Bowl packed, um, it was more full than it was for any, more full than it was for the UCLA game, for example, um, packed and rocking. I just thought was a, was again, you don't want to do this every year. And indeed under the contract, you can't do it every, you know, you can't do it again. It's a one-time thing under the contract, but to have this one-time thing this year of all years, I thought was the perfect way to end it, much better than heading off to Birmingham or somewhere else to play in a bowl that, that would not have meant nearly as much to the community. I think it was a signature event for Memphis and for the community and will be remembered for a long time, even though they, they lost it in the end. Yeah. When well, you just go watch the other bowl games on TV, not, except for the playoff games, there's nowhere that was as full as the Liberty, Bowl. like the, nowhere had the atmosphere that the Liberty bowl had last weekend. I mean, that was a special environment. 
um, with to the you know with the booze, you know, and just just like the replay reviews during that game, you know, if it went against Iowa State, you'd hear the booze from one side, the cheers from right. another. You just don't get that dynamic in a bowl game or anywhere really with these with two fan bases that really showed out the way that Memphis and Iowa State's fan bases did um, in terms of attendance. So it was a special event. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast this entire season. Um, this will probably be my last one. Our new football beat writer, long awaited arrival. Um, his name is Evan Barnes. He works for the LA daily news right now, but he starts Monday, January 8th here in Memphis. Um, he'll be taking over coverage of the team as it goes through the off season and into next year. Um, and I would assume he will be the new guy on the podcast, but thank you to everyone who, who sort of welcomed me with open arms mid season. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed our coverage, enjoyed the podcast and, uh, we will see you in, uh, the next few weeks, few months. Well, I'm sure we'll have some podcasts coming up later. The tiger football podcast is hosted by Tom Shad and Jeff Calkins. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.